Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Everybody and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Scott Schute. He's an award-winning author, keynote speaker, executive coach, and teacher. He spent over 25 years on customer-oriented leadership and executive roles, including three years leading mindfulness and compassion programs at LinkedIn. He's on a mission of combining the practicalities of leading in the modern business world with the wisdom of ancient traditions to help individuals and companies become more compassionate and effective. I must add, he was also my favorite faculty member of the Inner MBA, an Edmonds virtual program that teaches you how to lead from within and bring your deepest values to business, from which I graduated last month. Hello, Scott, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hello, hello. Thank you for that. Glad to be here. Well, I'm, I'm very excited because I have to say every single module that you had on that MBA, inner MBA was so enlightening and so incredible. And I say, well, I hope if I invite him, he says yes. And you <laughs> did. And so I'm very, very happy about that. My pleasure. And, Good to be here. And also, I know that, um, you know, you wrote a book called The Full Body. Yes. So I definitely will ask many questions about that. But uh, you Yes. So, but I start every, every episode with the origin story. So I want to know uh, about where you're from, how sure. was your childhood and what aspects of your personality of passions were you showcasing even at a young age that oh, you yeah. thought, oh, this well, is going to be part of my happiness if I decide to embrace it later on. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks for the question. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Kansas, like a very rural Kansas, this big wheat and corn and soybeans for cattle and pig farm. And I'm the youngest of five. So family was super important. And and my family is, I guess, kind of my brothers and sisters are high achievers. And so I was always trying to achieve, you know, to, to win the attention of whatever, I guess, my father, my parents. And I was good at, you know, lots of things. And that was a big part of my life is this kind of achieving part. And if you if you follow the thread, you know, I ended up doing well in school and kind of doing well at work, ended up as the VP of global customer operations at LinkedIn. But there's this other part of me, like this dual agent part. And that part is the quiet introspective side. I developed a, a practice of meditation or a contemplation practice when I was about 13. You know, and even as a kid, well, I felt like I had this really deep connection to something bigger, right? Kind of growing up on all the space and the nature. And, you know, this development of a practice became really important to me. I, I ended up teaching in college. It's been a huge part of my life. I'm a member of the clergy for the last 15 years or so. Huge mm. part of my life, but one that I never talked about at work, right? Always separate. Until I got to LinkedIn and realized what an open place it is. Our CEO at the time, this is eight years ago, was talking about his own meditation practice. 
And I thought, well, maybe this is a place where I can bring part of me, this kind of deepest part of me, to the workplace in a secular and inclusive way. And so long story short, I met with my friend who runs Global Wellness, and we ended up you know, agreeing that I would lead a session, lead a meditation session. And I got really excited about it, and he got really excited about it. And I went back to my desk, and I did absolutely nothing about it for three or four months <laughs> because I was terrified. I was thinking, okay, well, what are people going to think of me, right? Is this going to do something for my brand? You know, what all this ego and fear nonsense. And I finally got over all of that. Turns out my, the biggest obstacle I've had in my career is me, it's the, what's between my ears. Mm. And I led my first session on a Thursday afternoon at 4.30 in the heavenly conference room, which I thought was quite auspicious. And mm -hmm. that first time there was only one person there. <laughs> but, and I'm sure he was just as terrified as I was. I never saw him again. <laughs> then the, the next week there were three and then there were five. It became a regular thing. And then people knew that I did it. I was like, you know, the meditation exec or whatever. And people would invite me to bigger things over time. So leading up to things like the CFO would have an offsite with three or 400 finance people and invite me to kick it off with a meditation. Mm. And then for me, you know, I, I volunteered in this way. I, I raised my hand to be the executive sponsor of our mindfulness program at LinkedIn. We didn't really have one, so we created one. And then for me, the tipping point was our CEO, Jeff Wiener, gave the commencement address at Wharton four years ago and talked about compassion. You know, essentially, if you're going to be successfully successful in life or successful in business, to be compassionate. And then the next day he's on TV, and this is all the reporters want to talk about. You know, they had one question about LinkedIn and 22 questions about compassion. And I was thinking, okay, it's time. Mm -hmm. It's time for me to invest my career in this. And it's also time for LinkedIn, because essentially our CEO had just told 15 or 18,000 employees that compassion was the most important thing that they could do. But what were we really doing about it? And so I made a pitch to him and our head of HR, and together we created this role, Head of Mindfulness and Compassion Programs, where, my, awesome. vision, <laughs> where my vision to this day is still to change work from the inside out by mainstreaming mindfulness and operationalizing compassion. So that's a little bit about who I am and how I got here. Oh, thanks for that. I think now my guests that are, were not familiar up to now with you, my audience knows like, oh, wow, that's why that's why she's so <laughs> excited about this. And you said something that I think a lot of people can resonate where you said that you didn't mix your business life with your personal life. Mm. And I, I recently, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of felt exactly the same thing. And I decided to make a web page where I showed all of me, not only... Yeah the CEO that people know, and yeah. it was so liberating. That's but right. It's free. It's freeing. But why do you think, in your opinion, is that we have this fear that showing all we are is going to, I don't know, be, at that, be negative for our careers? Why do you think we're afraid of that? It's really interesting because on the one hand, as humans, we have this deep, deep need to be seen and heard and acknowledged, right? We want people to really see who we are. But what we want is for them to see who we are and honor that and to hold that, right? And to respect it. And we've all had experiences where we were not met with that same honor or respect, whether it was in school and we got bullied for, you know, being whoever we were, whether, whether we just have that fear. 
And so we've evolved this way, right? We're social creatures and we want to be social with each other. And we're very sensitive to the needs of, you know, the herd or the tribe, right? So we want to do things that, that will keep us in the good graces of the rest of the people around us. So we've developed this kind of fear around really exposing ourselves in, in a way that feels vulnerable. Now, what you said is true. When, when we do, when we share our true selves, there's this level of freedom that happens. And, you know, some people figure this out before we did, perhaps. But for some of us, it requires, you know, a place where we're at a certain stage in our lives, where we're comfortable in our own skin, where we don't really care as much what people think anymore. But wow, people who live like this are so much freer, I believe. I, I totally agree. Even this podcast was a freeing thing for me because I couldn't explain why I wanted to do it on, other right. than I was having inspirational conversations offline with people that, you know, maybe you and I met at a conference and we had the most incredible conversation and that feeling like, oh, I wish others would have listened to that. Yeah. And and so that's how this podcast came about and having back to basics conversations, you know, and and, you know, but I find it myself sometimes now, not so much, but at the very beginning, like justifying, like, why are you doing it? What are yeah. you making out of it? And I'm not making any money out of it. And it's not in my industry. <laughs> I don't interview sure. my customers or any, anything like that. And, and, you know, people struggle with that idea of like, then what is it for? Sure. I mean, I, there's so many things in our lives that we do that, I mean, what is it for? Does it need to have a for? I mean, mm-hmm. um, one of my management principles, leadership principles is go where the energy is, meaning do mm-hmm. the things that really light you up, that excite you, because good things will happen when you do. I mean, all of our hobbies, th- this is why we do, you know, we, we don't have to justify our hobbies usually. You know, if we have, if we spend too much on them, we might have to justify it to our families, but... Uh, to ourselves, we just do it because it makes us happy. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the things in our life, we ultimately do so that we can be happy. If you ask somebody, why did they choose that job? Why did they choose that partner? Why did they choose that hobby? And you keep asking the why, what that gets you, you know, eventually you get to, I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So nice. my whole thing is, well, why don't we just go right to the practices that make us happy in the first place instead of all this noise and trying to get there? Oh, that's that's beautiful. And and I know in your book you touch upon this and the and the link to, to your book, the the full body yes will be on the on the show notes. And I think it's a must read for everybody. You talk about also the concept of the mastery of me and mm-hmm. reframing, you know, the power of reframing. Would you touch upon a little bit like let's say somebody's listening to this and say, Yes, sure. yeah, you know, like I know I'm the problem, like I'm getting on my <laughs> own way of achieving what I want. Sure. Well, this is what I mean when I say about um, changing our world or changing our work from the inside out. It's, it's funny. You know, a quote, I'm reminded of a quote by Mark Twain. He said, you know, I've lived through a lot of tragedies in my life and some of them actually happened. <laughs> I think this oh, yeah. describes a lot oh, of yeah. this. Well, I'll give you an example. In my own world, my son is 24 now. Oh, and when wow. he was nine or 10, uh, for for a number of years, I was his baseball coach, mm-hmm. you know, and I found myself one day leaving work at 3.30 or 3.45 on a Thursday afternoon to go to his baseball game and to actually get the field ready. And I had a big job at the time. I was leading a big organization and 
people needed me, they wanted me, they were trying to get me, you know, in meetings. And here I was leaving. Right. And so, and then I found myself in traffic. I was on the 101 here in Northern California and just, you know, stop and go traffic. And I was just frustrated. And my inner talk track had gone dark. Right? <laughs> oh, also, do you ever recognize how when you're angry, nobody can drive? People drive so poorly when you're angry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're especially women. <laughs> <laughs> so I found myself in the car and my, my talk track is something like, oh, why do I have to do this? Right. Why do I have to be the one who gets the field ready? Why do I, you know, and I'm just kind of complaining to myself and, you know, complaining, complaining in inwardly. And then I realized like, oh, I have a choice. And I kind of woke up to my own situation. I have a choice. And choice number one is I can continue complaining. Right. And I'm going to spend 40 minutes in the car and I played it out in my head. And option number one, I continue complaining. I get to the field. I'm angry. I probably can't get the riding lawnmower to work. You know, I hurt my hand as I'm banging on it. Then, then the others coach, the other coaches come and I'm probably say some smart remark about how, Oh, I've already been here for half an hour. You know, where have you been? You know? Or then the kids arrive and I'm kind of griping at them and shouting at them to get in line or do whatever we're doing. And I'm just, I can just see it right I'm this ball of negative energy. And that happens. I've, for sure, I have had days like that, but it's a choice. And in that moment, I think a really important question is, okay, what else is true, right? Well, what else is true is, well, first of all, I'm grateful that I work at a company that it's okay if I leave at 3.30 in the afternoon. Not everybody has that luxury. <laughs> I'm grateful that I have a son. I always wanted a son. I'm grateful we get to do baseball together. Baseball was my thing when I was a kid. I love it. And when I coach, I get to be 12 years old again. So imagine if I'm in the car thinking about these things and being grateful for what is true, because it's, it's real. Those things are all true. I enjoy coaching. I love keeping the stats, you know? And then what happens if I spend 40 minutes in the car thinking about that? Well, then I bounce out of the car, right? I remember that the riding lawnmower, if, oh, if I just turn the key halfway and press the gas a certain way, I can get it to start. I just have to remember. I, you know... When the other coaches come, I ask them about their sons and what their son's favorite thing about baseball is. And I thank them for their service. When the kids come, you know, we all go to center field and we sing a little song that we made up together. And we have a good time because I'm having a good time. And these two scenarios, you know, what did I change about the external circumstances? You know, nothing. I change what happens inside between my ears. But then I change everything. Right? I change the impact that I have on the world and I change how I view the world myself. And I, go, I can go from having a terrible day to having an amazing day, at least in this situation, all by myself, just in what's going on between my own ears. So it usually starts with us. Mm, that's a great, great example. I think that now every time that we feel that impact of our in instinct to say, oh, everything sucks, like yeah. to bring it back to, and gratitude, right? I think that's one yeah. of the best practices, which is what you were doing. It's like realizing we are so grateful. And I yeah. think the pandemic kind of had given that back, but I think it's almost like fading away almost too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I call it, uh, I think of it this like pothole management. You know, there can be a thousand miles of perfect road, perfect road. But if there's one pothole, this is where our attention goes. 
right? Mm -hmm. And this works, we've evolved this way. Our amygdalas, our fear centers in our brain have ensured that we stayed alive, right? We are programmed to stay alive. But nobody said anything about happy, just alive, right? So our fear centers are constantly focused on the things that might kill us. Now, in our day-to-day world, the news is full of all of those things. And we read a newspaper or a news browser and we think, oh, this is what the world is like. But the truth is that's just the amygdala. That's just the 1% or the 0.1% of our whole lives that we're focusing on. But we tend to give it 99% of our energy. So the question is, well, what else is true? Okay, yes, all these other things exist. I'm not saying the world is perfect. I'm just saying, let's not spend 99% of our time on it. So we ask, what else is true? Well, what else is true is the weather's nice. I'm surrounded by my loved ones. And you can start to list, you know, I have clean water to drink. We have so many things that are also true, that are also good. People are generally good. We just get into this mode where we see the world as really negative because of, you know, this is how we evolved to stay alive. So you're right. It starts with this simple shift towards gratitude, the simple shift towards, ah, well, what else in my life is good? And when we shift that attention, it makes us stronger. When we focus on the light, it allows us to be stronger with the dark in our lives. Mm, That's a, as Oprah would say, quotable moment. (laughs) That's a quotable moment. So Scott, as you know, a lot of people, you know, and and all the work you did with LinkedIn is really incredible. And and you were put, you know, I think the timing, what you had one of those situations where everything aligned with what you wanted to do, you know, you found the right place and, you know, it's incredible. But I'm sure that also in your professional work journey was, you know, it didn't come like that easy to eventually also say, I'm leaving LinkedIn and yeah. I'm going and doing my own thing. And your webpage, by the way, looks incredible. I saw it. I saw it when the program started and I saw how <laughs> each time you go back, it's richer, fuller. And, and, and I think you're really, really making an impact. How does has that journey been in terms of having, I'm sure there was also some letting go that you had to do, even if you had the tools and the practice and all that, I'm pretty sure it was a little bit scary anyway. Sure. Well, my whole career has been just interesting. I had this experience when I was about 18. You know, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And for the longest time, I was going to be an engineer because that's what my big brother did. And that's what you did if you were good at math and science. But then you know, when I was a senior in high school, I was the lead in my high school musical. And all of a sudden I was conflicted. Oh, do I, do I, do I go, you know, get an engineering degree and sell my soul to the man? Because this was in the late 80s and the movie yeah. Wall Street had just come out. Yes. If you're, if you're old enough, you remember the, the character Gordon Gecko and Green. Yeah, of course. And then on the other side, I was going to follow my bohemian bliss, my spiritual bohemian bliss and go to New York and be a singer or actor or whatever. And I think these are the choices that a lot of us face. You know, the thing that we feel like we should do or the things we feel like we have to do or things we feel like we could do that feed our soul. But I didn't know what to do. It was unclear. And so I was, I was in contemplation one day and kind of threw my hands up in the air and was asking for help. And I got, what, what am I supposed to do? And in that moment, I got this mm, knowingness, I guess you could say. I got the full body, yes. I just knew what the answer was. And it came with a little message. And the message was, maybe you can change work from the inside out. In other words, maybe you can be part of the change. If you you think work is this bad thing, well, maybe you can help change it. 
I'm like, all right, well, I'm 18. What am I supposed to do with that? You know, so I got my degree. I went into sales, went into leadership, and I've been trying to be a good person, you know, for 30 years, but it didn't exactly feel like changing the world from the inside out. And so it has felt like 25 or 30 years of kind of searching for this thing, right? To get closer and closer and closer to the center of the bullseye. And it was only until I really got to this position at LinkedIn, creating my own position, that everything finally all the way clicked into the center of the bullseye. You know, I've been making progress the whole time. So in other words, this has taken a long time to get here. I've had my eyes on the prize for a long time. And now I'm finally able to live the life that I've been trying to manifest for 30 something years. Mm -hmm. So definitely has not been easy, but mm, I think I've had clarity on what I wanted it to look and feel like for a long time. Oh, that's, that's incredible and very inspirational, by the way, which led me to want to think if you had like your son, he's 24, I'm sure if he tells you like similar thing that, what should I do? Like, should I be, you know, a musician or an engineer as parents? What would you, what your advice would be? I'm very curious. Sure. Well, I, I try to share the whole road because sometimes we focus on the potholes. Sometimes we only focus on the pure road and we miss the potholes. So (laughs) if it, if, if, you know, an 18 or a 22 year old came to me and said, I'm going to try to make a living as a musician or as a poet or as a mindfulness teacher, then I say, okay, well, that's great. And you need to know all about it, right? These are, these are things that are hard to make a living at. And so one of the tools I find really useful is this Japanese concept called Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And it translates to roughly to purpose of life. And it's the intersection of four circles. And those four circles are what I love to do, what I'm good at, what the world needs, and what I can get paid for. Mm. All right. Well, so for me, going to be an actor in New York is what I'm, what I love to do for sure. (laughs) What I'm good at, maybe they would tell me (laughs) (laughs) what I can get paid for. Wow. That's the hard one. And what the world needs. Yeah. That's, that's subjective. That's up to me. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to, to reflect on these four things. And if, if they all match, then you're going to be really happy, probably, you know, you're going to be more fulfilled. And if none of them match or only one of them matches, it's time for inquiry. It's time mm-hmm. to look around. Because even, even in a job, even in a corporate job or whatever it looks like, we have ways to shape our work to get closer to the bullseye, right? Most of us in the information age can shape our jobs a little bit. But that's where I would start. It's a great point. And I think all these new jobs that are being, even the influencer that now with technology, you can, the guy that loves to travel yeah, actually can maybe intersect and be an guy because he can get paid for it, yeah, you know, if right. he finds the formula. That's and right. now uh, more than ever, we're living at a time where maybe that guy is more achievable than it was in other times in history. That's true. If you think about the agrarian age or the industrial age where mm-hmm. we were all farming or maybe all working in a factory making the same thing, that was a little bit more rigid. Mm-hmm. But in today's world, many of the jobs are about information, selling information, collecting information, moving information around, content, and all of these allows for more freedom. Now, <laughs> it still takes the old-fashioned hard work and luck and skill to make all that happen, but you're right, it's much more possible. 
Yeah, I always say you don't you don't run an Ironman or a marathon by not training. You do have to do yeah. the hard work. I had yeah. a boss that would tell me this is not the job you want, but it's like a medicine. If you take it, it's gonna be bad <laughs> right now, but it's gonna make you better in the future. And she was yeah. so right. You know, some jobs is like I hated them, but I'm glad I did them because yeah. then they put me in a better position for later on. That's right. And That's so, right. you know, the old expression, no pain, no gain. Uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> it does validate it. So Scott, sometimes. what are you working on right now that you want to sure. share with the audience? I, I always leave, you know, an open space to say, what is exciting that. you these days? I appreciate that. In addition to the, you know, I'm doing keynote speaking and teaching workshops and executive coaching and that sort of thing. But what I'm really excited about is I'm building this product for teams so that mm -hmm. teams can work together and uh, essentially build amazing teams that are also high performing. So the way, what it is, it's a collection of best practices that I used in my career and things I saw at LinkedIn and other places in really bite-sized, snackable ways that are implementable. You know, I spent 30 years as an ops guy. This is how to <laughs> operationalize all this goodness. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm excited about. And that's very important because uh, like like you, I, it resonates when you say doing good work and from the inside out. And yeah. and I know my industry is not going to like it because I've been saying very, very, very much lately. But, you know, sometimes at least the telecom industry is such a fast paced industry, mm. high growth. And it's all about get it done, profits. And it's almost like we, I always say we have to bring humanity back into our industry because we are forgetting that these cell phones, this connectivity happens because we have a workforce behind it. And that's right. they, they have been taken for granted all the time. So, but sometimes I get demotivated. Like I say, how do, how do we make a difference, you know, in, in something that's already so ingrained, but what yeah. you are sharing is exactly a great way of doing that. Yeah. Like by doing bit by bit, because they always say small things are always better than a big change all at once. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, so, what we know is that every company is waking up to the fact that their most important resource is their people, right? It's, mm -hmm. And it's become so critically important in the last couple of years. We see it, right? As people are shifting jobs and leaving managers they don't care for to find managers that will take care of them, leaving company cultures to go find better company cultures. So this is becoming part of our, of what's important strategically to each company. So now company culture is 12 times as big of a factor as compensation in whether mm -hmm. somebody stays or goes. And so we're all trying to figure out, okay, how do we codify that company culture? How do we make it great? It starts with the individuals. It starts with teams. So we're trying to make it easy to make these changes. Well, that's so exciting. And I do admire all the work you do and, and what you're trying to achieve. And so for those days that are, you know, really hard on you, and I know you're a big meditator, but what else brings you back to basics? What is your go-to thing that helps you reconnect with the source? Oh, yeah. Well, I have my practice every day, but the things I love to do that bring me joy, my family, my kids, my wife, I love travel. I love photography. One of my side hustles is photography. Uh-huh. And you website. do have a web page, yes. Photos.com. I just love being out in nature and uh, walls and, you know, beautiful things. So I like mountain biking and being out in the world. That is great. Well, you know, you're the perfect example, I think, of someone that really showing up with a thousand percent of who you are and, and, and that just being outside. And for that, I'm very grateful. And 
I mean, I know you're a very busy guy, so I'm very, very grateful that you took the time and said yes to, to being on, on, on this podcast. So My thank pleasure. you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this incredible episode and until the next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.